you will hear of wars and rumors of wars, but see to it that you are not alarmed. Such things must happen, but the end is still to come. Nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. There will be famines and earthquakes in various places. All these are the beginning of birth pains. This is the Signs of the Times special podcast from Joshua Nations. An ongoing healthy conversation between normal people, ministers, and missionaries about what is going on around the world. Is prophecy being fulfilled? And what should we do about it? Consider both Daniel and and all in the Old Testament, um, especially the just the the humility and the fear of God that they had. And personally, I think that not only today, but there's a general lack of the fear of God in in the land around the world. There's people that have no reverence for God. Um, I think that's why we have this lawlessness. The the stuff that is going around, the sin, the immorality, the corruption, people have no fear of God in their lives. And because of that, you see them just, you know, acting without any regard to consequence, thinking there is no consequence. And Daniel and many of the other prophets had this intense fear of God. And I, I think perhaps if we would go back to that, even today in our lives, uh, that we would find it would potentially open the doors for God to speak to us in ways that uh, we don't always hear. If we come to him with sincerity and humility, with true reverence and fear, and we live a lifestyle that way, I bet our ears would be more in tune and our eyes would be open to see what's going on in the world. Yeah, I think the seriousness of prayer and the um, emphasis on prayer is a critical thing in these times that we're living in. Um, you know, I mean, many Christians are shoppers. You know, they're shopping. They're going to Walmart on this Sunday and they're going to some other, you know, shopping experience on next Sunday. And, and, and I think we've lost that seriousness and that earnest, you know, earnestness to pray and seek God, you know, you ask, you know, when last did you put sackcloth and ashes on? Uh, when last did you lie prostrate before the Lord and call upon the Lord for us, you know? When did we have an all-night prayer meeting and just spend time in His presence? Um, nobody has time for that, and I think he's indicating that if we really want to see what God's going to do, and is doing, then we need to get down on our knees and pray. Absolutely. Billy was just telling me about uh, some of our uh, our colleagues, our partners that are in the Congo and how they are constantly in prayer and fasting. And I am truly humbled by the reports that I'm hearing uh, from them, their dedication to give themselves to prayer. Uh, you ask most believers today here in the United States or, or the developed nations, when's the last time you fasted? When's the last time you gave some time sacrificially to be with the Lord? Many of them never have. And if they have, 
they can't remember or tell you when the last time it was. And prayer still is, or prayer meeting, still the most unattended meeting in church churches throughout the world, you know, and they don't last very long either. Those that come sort of peel off. It, it, we have to have revival in prayer before we can re have revival in the church. Absolutely. And we're trying as a ministry to get this prayer network of over a thousand people and uh, praying for the nations, praying for a breakthrough. And man, it is hard to find people who are willing to just say, yes, I will join you in prayer. That's not even asking them to make a, a, a day or a weekly commitment, but just say, yes, I will. I'll make a commitment that I'll remember Joshua nations and pray for the nations and the unreached. So, so what makes Gary's statement so, so important to me, and, and this is just one of the ways that I live my life by is, um, you, you have to understand your authority as a Christian and, um, prayer is a big part of that authority. I, I don't know how people do life without Jesus and without a prayer life and, and without partnering with the Holy Spirit. But, if you understand your authority and you understand that we actually rule in the spiritual realm first. So that's what makes your prayer important because you lay the foundation in the spiritual realm. You have to speak in the spiritual realm. And then that spiritual realm will manifest in the physical. And, and that's just how I've operated my life. And uh, I, I've just because I travel and, and minister and drive through Africa and Chris has been with me. You get into a situation where, yes, there's two of us in the truck driving, but you kind of look at one another and, and, and then it's like, God, you have to do something for us now. We're, we're in trouble here. You know, these guys have got guns and they want to arrest us and, and, and they'll be big trouble. So, you know, and then you just go back to the word and, and, um, and, and you just got to put your faith together and, 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 and pray it out and, and see, then that's when God starts doing the miracles. And, and that's why, why I love Gary's statement, but that we have to do, uh, there will be no revival without prayer because prayer lays the foundation in the physical, uh, in the spiritual so that we can walk it out in the physical. You know, the Jewish example is quite fascinating. If you go to a synagogue or even to the Western Wall, they're praying, they're worshipping, they're studying the Word all at the same time. They're not, they're not segregating these things. You know, you'll be, you'll be in intense prayer, for example, then suddenly break out and dance or whatever and start worshipping and crying out to the Lord, and then somebody read the scripture. And I think um, prayer is an all-encompassing thing. And we've, we've made it one sort of dimensional, when it's actually multi-dimensional. And that's one of the reasons why I think a lot of people just struggle with it, because it's, it seems so boring. And, and, and so I think revival in prayer is really enjoying it, you know what I mean? It's really a dynamic thing, the presence yeah. of God, all these elements together. And I think people, uh, they, they think of prayer like, like transaction, like you're going to an ATM, you're going to, to the drive-thru, like, I want this, and then when you pull around, you hope you get that. 
but prayer's relationship it's just like this conversation it's it's a, a connection and uh you know I, I don't i don't build relationships by going through the drive-through um, if i do i'm spending way too much time and money at that drive-through but it's through community and, and building relationship and that's what I think that's why we're missing out on the power when uh, people say, yeah, I pray, but you basically go through a list and, you know, in the morning, maybe before you go to bed and maybe before a meal, uh, rather than actually communing with God. So um, I, I think I, I, you haven't really been a part of a prayer meeting until you've been in an African prayer meeting. And uh, that, that takes prayer to a whole new level. And uh, most people that I've taken into African prayer meetings just sit there with their eyes big and like, is that how these guys communicate with God? You know, sometimes uh, I've, I've, some of the churches that I've been in, I'm like, I've, I've taught the guys in, in the villages, you don't have to yell so loud. God can hear you. He's not that far away. But... Um, but when I come over to the U.S. And, and, and I'm in a prayer meeting over here, it's kind of like, man, this is really boring. And I really miss my African brother's style of prayer because they're, they're fighting, man. It's, it's like they're, they're at war. And, and they're up and down and they're walking and they're waving their fists. And, and you know, if, if I was in the spiritual realm and I'm looking at these guys praying, I'll be like, man, I just got to get out of the way because these guys really mean business. So, uh, and Gary, I just think that's, that's why I, it's, I, I just find prayer not, not boring because um, I'm walking. I'm, I'm, I, I try and uh, get out and in my neighborhood, I'm, I'm walking and praying. And, and, and then another level that I add to it is, is, is praying in tongues. And, I, and for some reason, that has become really controversial. Uh, you know, a prayer life and having prayer in tongues. And at, I just automatically, after I've said all my English and Afrikaans words that I know, then I just automatically switch over in, into praying in tongues and, and warring in the spiritual realm in tongues. Well, it's not controversial in my, in my opinion. This morning, uh, I was after lifting weights, I got on the treadmill and I'm listening to worship music. I'm praying in tongues and people are just kind of looking at me. I'm like, I'm thinking... Am I praying too loud? Because I got headphones in. I was like, I don't know. I don't care. It's 4.45 in the morning. Uh, everybody there is a little bit weird. So. I, uh, I love Daniel 9. Um, I like all of Daniel. But really the prayer, the heart of Daniel, the, the prophetic heart, but also the right then, that moment heart for his people was huge. To me, it's huge. Something that I think is important. We have... We have a, uh, you know, it seems like right now that everybody out there has got some kind of prophetic message about something. And, uh, and that, you know, there's always these kind of cycles that flow through of uh, everybody's a prophet and then nobody's a prophet and then everybody's a prophet. And, and uh, there was this, uh, there's this guy named Roger Stronstad that wrote a book. He's, he's a um, Assemblies of God from Canada. And he wrote a book called the prophethood of all believers. And uh, it, uh, I used it some in my doctoral stuff and, and very interesting approach to the concept of priesthood, all the believers. But, he, but it's interesting to me that in verse 20 <clears throat> that 
Daniel says, I went on praying and confessing my sin and the sin of my people, pleading with the Lord my God for Jerusalem. And then we see this prophetic stuff. I really believe that that sentence is a description of Daniel. That that is Daniel. Uh, anytime something happened, you know, his answer was he was going to pray. He was going to seek God. But then we're seeing where he's, where he's talking about how he's re repenting of his sins. So for years, being in, in Pentecostal church in America, there's, there's always this uh, thing that you have to struggle with where people are, depending on where they came from or what their background is, if they grew up in any kind of setting where they were taught against Pentecostal belief, it's so much more difficult to see them um, operate in the gifts of the Spirit or even accept any kind of baptism of the Spirit or speaking in tongues or any of that kind of stuff. But one of the things that I started, and I started this years, years ago, is it's not really a formula because I don't like to look at God and Scripture that way. But I have found if you can, if, if somebody is really trying to be filled with the Holy Spirit and they seem to be stuck and they can't, um, really what they need to do is unthink certain things, right? Um, but what I have found is if you'll just take them right there in Daniel 20, not, not read the scripture, but what Daniel is doing, it's interesting that Daniel is, is confessing his sin and then God gives him prophetic message. But Daniel is confessing his sin. And I believe that this is, this is where the, the supernatural and the prophetic and everything, everything starts with the submission to, to Christ's authority, not just that he is, you know, he's come alongside of us or all the way that people say things, you know, God is my co-pilot, boy, I hate that one. But all these little things that people say, when really at the end of the day, if we will just do the Second Chronicles 7 thing, I'll humble myself, I will pray, I will seek his face, and I will turn from my wicked ways. If we will combine repentance with praying in the Spirit on a regular basis, it's amazing how God will use us prophetically, even if we're not even desiring. It's not like we're setting out to you know, be prophetic. I believe that God has ordained us all to be a voice of prophecy to the nations, like he told Jeremiah. So things like Daniel should be more involved in the Pentecostal lifestyle than what we give it credit for. And God does want to speak to us about these kind of things. We just don't, we just don't um, usually embrace it like we're supposed to, in my opinion. I think we, I think we try so hard to get to the, um, all the things that kind of give us uh, credence in our spiritual walk. You know, the prophetic and all that kind of stuff. And we strive so hard for those things so that we will be seen and known as spiritual leader. When any time in Scripture, the true, deep spiritual leaders they always started with repentance. They weren't searching for the leadership. They were searching for brokenness in relationship with God, and then God used them in the supernatural and used them in the leadership. We, we seem to have it backwards oftentimes. That's good. I know for me, most of my, uh, most of my prayers are, I mean, I'm always, I'm always confessing and repenting, and, and I'm, I, Maybe it's because I grew up Pentecostal and, and I had this fear. And in the churches that we were part of as I was growing up, there was always an itinerant traveling prophet. And uh, back in those days, and sometimes even now in some of those churches, those prophets uh, like to call people out in the crowd, you, come forward. And then they 
they air your your junk mail. They 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 tell the whole congregation all the stuff that you've done. And and I was I always had this fear, and I'm like, man, I don't want to get called out. So um, I don't think that's healthy. But I got in the habit of always. My prayer starts out with confessing and confessing stuff I haven't done, stuff I thought I'd done. Thought, you know, you never, never know. But, um, but yeah, I think I think you're absolutely right. And what I I love not only was Daniel confessing his own stuff, he was confessing on behalf of the nation. And it's not. When's the last time that we we owned our own stuff and said, Lord, forgive us? you know forgive my church my people my community uh you know forgive the fact that our our state is is supporting stuff that is so anti-god and we repent on behalf of the loss too uh, what what does that do does it open up something new for us when we do that well i my big thing is i think that's that's god wants that to be our heart and, uh, and when that's our heart, we are actually stepping deeper into relationship with him without necessarily trying to pursue that relationship. I mean, that, the reason you're doing that is because you're pursuing a relationship with God. And I'm saying, I think, I, I think he takes you deeper into relationship with him when you come to him with that, that humbleness and that honesty that, that says, it's, this is not about me. I, it's not my kingdom. I'm Use me the way you want. If you want me to be used prophetically, fine. I, if you don't, that's fine. If you want me to, to preach, I will. If you don't, I won't. You know, come before God saying, God, this is your life. It's not mine. And uh, when we can hand that to God like that, it's amazing what he can do and will do with us. Because we're not trying to, to make our way. We're just trying to say, Jesus, have your way. Well, I think also... Um, prayer is really a manifestation of a relationship. You know, uh, repenting and uh, seeking forgiveness. These are important parts of any relationship. You know, so whoever you have a good relationship with, you have this peace and confidence that you can share things that you would not normally share with anybody else. So the bottom line to prayer is... It's really ushering in a, the the depths of relationship with the Lord. You know, it's not it's not just request time. Of course, we all know that, but it's really it's really touching base with the essence of of our relationship with the Lord. He's someone that will listen to me. He's someone that hears what I'm saying, even though I can't I can't communicate it too well. That's talking about an incredible relationship. Now, people want to pray, but without the relationship. You know, they, they, they're not, I shouldn't say they, they're not wanting the relationship. They don't have time for that. You know? Yeah, it's time. It's time and attitude. What's really your priority? What's your, what are you chasing? Well, you know, most most people these days, and, and if you're listening to this podcast, uh, don't feel like I'm blasting you, uh, but a lot of times we like to consume stuff. We watch stuff on, on our phones, online. We listen to podcasts. We watch TV. 
And so we're consumers of information, even if it's good stuff, and hopefully you're enjoying listening to this and it's challenging you in your thought and in your spirit. But if we don't press into God and we actually have that prayer life, we won't see the breakthrough, the revival, the power and the authority that we're supposed to have that we need in these end times. And we're going to find that the church in certain places where they're not willing to go deep in prayer is going to be anemic and they're going to get just obliterated by the enemy. And we find that in scripture. There, there's entire groups of people who are, they say, yeah, we're, we're followers of Christ, but they just, they're just wiped out in a, in a sense because they don't have that strength, that health and that vitality because of a deep relationship with God. I don't believe God gives you power. I believe he gives you himself. And the more that you're walking in him, the more that that power happens. The deeper you go in him, the more it becomes almost innate within us. That discernment and, and um, word of knowledge and word of wisdom, those things become almost second nature. And we don't even realize sometimes that they're happening because it's the presence of God within us, the spirit of God within us. It's not. I think I think we spend too much time trying to get to a place in in um, power and authority and faith and all these other things instead of just pursuing. You know, the woman that reached out and touched the hem of of, of Jesus's garment. She wasn't trying to get anything but just whatever he had, and and he gave her. And now she goes down in history as that the woman with the issue of blood in the Bible. But God supernaturally healed. She didn't know any of that stuff was going on. She didn't understand the big picture. But she knew she could get to him. And I, and I think we, we strive so much for the things of the Spirit or things of Jesus rather than letting Jesus be in charge and just getting in close, getting close as you can to him. Yeah, I, I was actually having a conversation with my wife about uh, this that particular passage just the last couple of days um, in regards to... Um, my son Judah as he's pursuing God uh, for healing. But in that particular passage with uh, this woman with the issue of blood, you know, a lot of times we overlook the fact that every person she came into contact with as she pushed through the crowd, she made them unclean. And she knew at the same time, not only was she making all of these people unclean, that if she didn't get the miracle she was seeking, she would make the rabbi unclean she would make jesus unclean and this is a bold thing i mean there, there's one thing to just we talk about coming into god's presence with boldness but she defied incredible uh adversity i mean what she did was a huge huge no-no <laughs> and a lot of times we forget that we think oh she was supposed to be outside she shouldn't be out in public she was making people unclean, unclean after an, another and another and another uh, in pursuit of something from God. When's the last time we've had that kind of boldness and tenacity to go after God like that? You see, so, somehow we as Christians, we, we, we kind of make it difficult for ourselves. And, and, and the word says... Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. 
uh, and like Scott said, we, we, we're running after the power, we're running after the, the, the prophecy, instead of just running after God. And if, if, if you run after God and you seek, uh, seek Him with everything you have, all these things will be added unto you. You will run into the power, you will run into the prophecy as you're running after God. And just coming back to, to the repentance, um, when, when the Enron scandal happened, the energy scandal in, in the early uh, uh, 2000s, I was talking to a friend of ours, she's a, an accountant, and she said, mark my words, these things first has to happen in the church before it gets legal right to happen in government and in business. And she said, it won't be long until you see pastors and churches start, start falling because of the same thing, because of financial mismanagement. And lo and behold, it wasn't uh, months or a year after that when the first pastors and the first churches started being caught up in, in financial mismanagement, pastors started falling. So, and, and that just grabbed my attention of how powerful the church really is in a nation. And how powerful prayer is, and how powerful the pursuit of God is. So in verse 24, it says, Seventy weeks are determined for your people and for your holy city to finish the transgression, to make an end of sins, to make reconciliation for iniquity, to bring in everlasting righteousness, to seal up vision and prophecy, and to anoint the most holy. And I know where he was heading um, is there's... You start looking at all these things that are going to be accomplished within this time frame of 70 weeks. Oh, so, Scott, if you could, just what is your perspective? Uh, you're our resident <laughs> scholar, in my opinion. Uh, what's your perspective? What's going on? What is what is being unpacked for Daniel here in verse 24? Well, I, I think there's a few things that are going on. This, this is one of those places in Scripture that, Man, there is so much that is happening, and it is so detailed. Uh, of course, Daniel, a lot, most of what Daniel does is so detailed that, it, in fact, uh, what happens, and I've seen this for, for years and years now, in seminaries and all kinds of stuff, it is so detailed and so exact that oftentimes theologians don't like it. And so they try to come up with other things that it might possibly be because it can't be exactly what it says. It's just too prophetic. It's too exact. So, so if you jump to um, verse 25, it says, Now listen and understand, seven sets of seven plus 62 sets of seven. Okay? So if you take 70, the, in verse 24, you take the 70 sets of seven. Um, that's... Uh, that, that, that's, in my opinion, that is talking specifically about the time frame from Daniel to Jesus Christ. And, um, and, and part of the understanding is, part of where you can get this from is, and I've seen some great studies about this, and it's not hard to do. You can do it yourself very simply. Is start at the time of Adam and Eve. You can see the genealogy from Adam and Eve to, to Noah. You see the genealogy from Noah on... And if you break these down into into sets of seven, it's amazing how those are cyclical all through Scripture. Okay. In fact, I saw a great study one time talking about the um, <clears throat> the genealogy from Adam to Noah. If you if you write the definition, go to Bible Dictionary and write the definition of each of their names. 
those those specific that one specific bloodline just write the definition of each of their names it's actually the message of salvation it's 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 amazing and it's one of those things where you go yeah that that can't be coincidence okay so this uh this this uh 70 sets of seven is 490 years i believe is the is the uh, prophecy that daniel is giving to basically explain that jesus is coming on the scene and exactly when he's coming up to the scene in fact i just spoke about this this last week talking about i believe that scripture shows us when the rapture is going to happen now it, jesus says it's you don't know the day or the hour, but the sentence right before that, he says, but you're going to know everything up to the very time Jesus is about to walk through the door. That's the way he says it in Matthew 24. Then the next sentence he says, but you won't know the day or the hour. I believe all of Scripture shouts out that Jesus is coming. The Old Testament theme is Jesus is coming. New Testament theme, Jesus is coming again. Okay, So all of that is shouting Jesus, and he tells us very detailed. And this is one of the things that Daniel does, is he tells you exactly how many years until Jesus arrives on the scene. And he starts that, not in chapter 9. By the time you get to chapter 9, he's already told this story four times. He starts in Daniel 2, when the rock hits the toes. That rock that comes out of the, the, the mountain is Jesus. And when that rock hits the toes in, in the, Daniel and, and hits those kingdoms, destroys all those kingdoms... That, that is Jesus. And so you keep following this cycle all the way through. By the time you get to Daniel 9, now we see where he's saying, okay, now he's given the prophetic of what's going to happen, the kingdoms, how it's going to happen, who Jesus is, all this stuff. Now, in Daniel 9, the fourth iteration of the prophetic of Jesus Christ coming, he tells you the timeline. And he explains, 490 years from now, Jesus is going to hit the scene. And and I'm I believe scripture to the point of literalness that I, i'm such a literalist when it comes to scripture that i believe if we could see it in the spiritual realm and understand it exactly from the moment daniel said it until the time jesus comes i believe it's to the second i don't believe it's around that time frame i believe it's to the very so here here's Scott. i just want to ask you a question real quick while you're while, while you're saying that we don't we we don't know the day or the hour but do you believe we can discern yeah, that's the season? that's what i was talking about in matthew 16 jesus says um the red sky at night uh red sky in the morning he used that he uses that um, nautical analogy to say you and then jesus says you know the weather you see the signs to recognize the weather but you don't pay attention to the signs of the times and then in matthew 24 down to a, to well, the, oh, the first 30 verses or so, he says like four or five different times, I'm telling you the stuff so that you will know it is near. I'm telling you the details so you'll see that, that the signs are telling you I'm coming back. Then he says, you'll know that I am very near. I'm even walking through the door, but you won't know the day or the hour. And so what I was preaching about Sunday is that I believe that Jesus is coming back during the... the uh, Festival of Trumpets, uh, which the, the Festival of Trumpets, the uh, Feast of Tabernacles, and the Day of Atonement. Those three uh, feasts together, the only three feasts that Jesus has not fulfilled personally um, uh, in Scripture. And those are the, the, the Feast of the Trumpets is when they call everybody out of the harvest field. 
And so this, this scripture in Daniel is the exact same thing. And it's also not coincidence that in Daniel 20, I mean, in Matthew 24, when Jesus is um, prophesying about him coming back and he is giving very detailed stuff and telling you, you're going to know, you're going to know that the, the very time frame I'm coming, you're going to know it if you're watching scripture. In fact, he says the fig tree, uh, the fig tree blooms and you're not even paying attention to what I'm trying to tell you. But you can see figs and you see that, you know, it's that kind of analogy. So, so um, I believe Jesus is telling us this. And then he references Daniel. He references Daniel about how quickly he's going to become back. Because the question that the disciples ask is, how will we know when the time of the end is? And he says, let me tell you the time of the end. And then he begins to go through uh, all of this stuff in, in uh, Matthew 24. And he references Daniel chapter 7 and chapter 8. And he says, pay attention because I'm telling you I'm coming back and I'm telling you when. You will see these things happening. Then in Daniel 9, he, he starts again refreshing this idea. It's not a new thing. Daniel 2 is explained again in Daniel 4. It's explained again in Daniel 6 and 7. And explained again in Daniel 8. And then in Daniel 9, he's doing the same thing. But now he's going to the timeline. A lot of times we think that Daniel is linear. And it's not linear. It's cyclical. He's going over the same story over and over and over. The statue, all of the different things. Same exact story, but he changes the, the wording to give you more details or different details, but same story. So then by the time he gets to Daniel 9, he's talking about the timeline. Now, I, I do believe the 144 start at the beginning of the um, tribulation. I do believe that. Um, I, I don't think they're taken out like you're saying, but I do think they start at the beginning. But I think it's that, that second three and a half years where the success of that happens in great numbers. Because they've been preaching about it, they've been preaching about it, and then all of a sudden, this Antichrist declaring himself to be God, all of the things that these 144,000 have been preaching about for the first three and a half years, all of a sudden they see it because I believe part of what they're preaching about is what the Antichrist is going to do. Because they're, they've seen it in Scripture, and they're saying this is what he's about to do, and when he does it, and it's straight out of Daniel, straight out of Matthew, straight out of the book of Revelation, they can't deny Jesus being this fulfilled Messiah any longer. It's too... It just is too obvious. Scott, you're saying that you preached on it uh, on Sunday, uh, and uh, of course we're pre-recording this. So, uh, if somebody wants to go listen to your sermon, is there a way that we can uh, point them to a in a direction where they can? Uh, I, I know they were taking you off of YouTube and, and some of your messages. Is there? A way that uh, yeah, we can you, listen to we've it? switched to Rumble, and so you can get it on Rumble, but you can also get it on our website. For September the 11th, um, 2022, and the title of the message was um, He's a good preacher. He's already forgotten the title of his message because he's thinking of next the, week's the title, message. Yeah. The title of the message, I think, was Jesus is Coming. That, that doesn't well, that's a good title of a message. Great, great title. I'm questioning how you couldn't remember that if that's actually no, the title. No, okay, so the title is Jesus Told Us He Is Coming. I'm sorry. I knew it was something like it. Okay, okay. Jesus Told Us He Is Coming. 
because the whole message is how Jesus is telling us this, telling us this, telling us this. And uh, down to almost within a two or three week time frame, I believe we're going to know when. Not what year, but when, the season that Jesus is going to come back. And so, so yeah, they can go on to our church, church at Briargate, church at Briargate.org, and they can get that message. And so I don't say this stuff. If you go to our church, you know I don't say this stuff. Um, but that is a sermon people need to listen to. It's one of the more powerful sermons, I believe, that God has given me, one of the more prophetic ones. And, um, and just a very, to me, a very clear, clear message that Jesus has been shouting out for thousands of years. It's been in front of us forever. And people are just now starting to see it and understand it. And so maybe I, uh, I can uh, uh, negotiate with Jason since he's the president of Joshua Nations. Maybe we can borrow that sermon from you guys and just throw it up on uh, the Joshua Nations uh, inheritance podcast. If maybe he would allow us to do that. Uh, yeah, we, I, I, you know, I, I usually charge quite a bit for that, but um, we'll let it, we'll let it go to, exactly how I know you Americans charge for everything that's why the gospel is not free anymore um, you know so going back to Daniel 9 um, you see in um, verse 26 after this period of 62 sets of seven the anointed one will be killed now this is okay so this is the 62 plus the the um, the, um, the seven sets of seven so this is 69 right the anointed one Jesus will be killed appear to have accomplished nothing and a ruler will arise whose armies will destroy the city and the temple. The, the end will come. You understand that is uh, AD 70. That is the destruction of the temple. And that's the last destruction of the temple that we see. You know, Daniel, Daniel never actually uh, even approaches anywhere a, a rapture mentality. Never talks about it, never discusses it. But he does discuss the timelines. And so if we're going to follow the timelines, we have to go with the information that Daniel gives us. Because it's the most exacting timelines in Scripture. So the, the tribulation starts with the signing of the covenant, the signing of the peace treaty. You know, there are some things in Scripture that show us that the rapture is probably going to have a, a, a considerable space. When I'm saying considerable, I don't mean like, I mean like months. I don't, I don't necessarily know years, although you're right, we don't have a timeline. But in, in 1 Thessalonians 4, where it talks about it, it says that what is stopping the Antichrist that will be taken away, which is the church. So there is there is this, this uh, what I would say is a buildup between the taking away of the church and the river flowing, the river of evil flowing and getting to the whole world and, and taking over that. So I, th I yeah, I think there's gonna be a rapture. Can I, can I interject a question right there? Uh, so the scripture says, you. You were talking about the great restrainer, what's holding things back, and I know you said the church. Now, um, my my perspective has always been that it's it is the church, but it is actually the church fulfilling the great commission, and that and it's when that takes place that the fulfilling of the great commission, that crossing that finish line is like breaking the finish line and and, and releasing that next phase which would be allowing the antichrist to come now i've also heard it other ways where you know it's the rapture church is gone then he comes and so we have these differing perspectives what 
what direction are you heading on that one? Okay, Scott? so the, the actual language in First Thessalonians. Let me let me go back there because I I don't disagree with with what you're saying, but I think the scripture First Thessalonians four is not the scripture that I would use to back up what you're saying. What you're saying is correct. You have to preach the gospel to the whole world, to every ethnos, to every uh, ethnic group. In fact, I, I talked a little bit about this Sunday, last Sunday and the Sunday before that. Um, and one of the things that I mentioned is sometimes in American missional thinking, American missional thinking sometimes can be very uh, narrow-minded and, and kind of arrogant that we think that the preaching of the gospel to the, all the ethnic groups has to be American missionary groups that are doing it. And, uh, and there are people preaching the gospel from every country to every ethnic group. And I, I think we are so much closer to that, every ethnic group being preached to right now than we know from any, you can't, you can't ask one group, you can't ask 20 groups and come up with all the ethnic groups that have actually been preached to. You know, we, we talk about the unreached people groups, and, and we, we give most of our missions to un, missions money to unreached and least reached people groups. But there are missionaries. I have actually prayed for and sent missionaries out from countries to other countries, and none of them were American, that no American missional group knew that these missionaries were going there. They didn't know that this unreached group was actually being reached because they were being reached by other ethnic groups. Hey, shameless plug for Joshua Nations. That's yes, what we're it, all about. We mobilize national missionaries to finish the task of the Great which Commission. Which is the only biblical way it's going to happen. I would like to bring Tony in. This is his first time. And Tony, I would just like to know what, what, what have you heard? I know you're following the podcast. This is your first time to be on the podcast. If, what are you hearing through the podcast? What are you learning with the podcast as we're wrapping this up? Well, um, I mean, I'm new to all this. Um, so I, what, I'm what I'm doing is I'm, I'm connecting dots, and, uh, and I, I apologize for not interjecting more tonight, but that's, that's kind of what I'm doing right now. You know, you guys are bringing things up, and, and I'm, I'm looking them up in my, in my Bible software on my phone, and I'm writing things down. Um, I'm not as learned as you guys are, so um, I'm trying to I'm trying to catch up with you guys. Um, but uh, yeah, uh, for me, uh, I'm a dot connector, and so the things that I'm hearing from you guys are the same things that I'm hearing from other other groups um, that are doing similar things, you know, similar types of podcasts. And for me, I'm connecting dots with the things that are going on in the United States. And I, you know, you guys are, you know, you guys are, you know, you guys have been all over the world uh, and you guys see this stuff all, you know, you guys see different things all the time, but I'm connecting dots with, you know, uh, you know, the, the 70 weeks prophecy revelation, and I'm connecting that with what I'm seeing in society now. Did, did that answer your question, or did I not really catch what you were saying? No, no, no. You, you're you're answering my question pretty good. I, I I just like to get a feel from guys that are on there the first time, and uh, I know Tony is a truth seeker and he's he's really searching after God, and uh, um, I've met him a couple of times, 
so I just like to guys that don't know uh, and not like I know I'm 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 also learning I, I learn a lot and, and uh, I take away uh, a lot from this podcast uh, since my field is is like Jason I, I do missions I do the practical stuff in the nations and I'm passionate about discipleship and and trying to get uh, the nations and the church uh, to to a mature level so um, Jason I, I'm gonna let you just wrap it up here and uh, finish us out yeah we uh, well we we have had, had a wonderful conversation uh, and spent a, a bit of time on prayer and really pressing into God and as you've been listening to this time with us uh, let me encourage you uh, we need to be close with God intimate with him that's where we find our identity that's where we find our authority and as we look around the world and we see how things continue to escalate we got to be rooted and grounded in Jesus like never before and that we find that the Antichrist spirit and one day when we see the Antichrist which may very well be in our lifetime uh, that we're gonna be thinking Lord where are you where do, where do I get my strength my boldness my 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 uh, confidence so that I can stand against uh, the enemy and so uh, press into God and uh, these things in, in Daniel 9 are they're just absolutely mind-blowing and uh, I look forward to digging deeper in not only in Daniel but in Revelation and, and building those those dots connecting the things between between those um, so uh, thank you for joining with us thank you uh, to uh, Gary to Scott to Chris Billy and uh, for Tony joining us and uh, we look forward to sharing uh, more of these conversations with you in the future and we pray that the Lord would richly bless you. This was the Signs of the Times podcast from Joshua Nations. We hope you enjoy. Dig deeper into the Word of God through this time and share this with your friends. Follow us online at joshuanations.org, also on Facebook and Instagram.